This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Relationship Theory. I'm your co-host, Tom Bilyeu, and I'm here with my beautiful wife, Lisa. Hey, baby. What's up, homie? Hello. All right. Let's get going. I got the first um, iTunes review of the week. Read in it. Case if you, uh, guys, if you're just um, tuning in, so we... Um, Really want to encourage and appreciate people rating and reviewing our goal for 2019 is to get to the top of the list of the podcasts. We can do this. Um, and so as an incentive, if you guys rate and review, we'll re read a review once a week. There it is. And let's do the first review. Okay. This is from Brian Cox. Perhaps the best part of impact theory with Tom Bilyeu and Lisa, of course, is its ability to adapt to different aspects of life through uncommon and vital avenues, from increasing knowledge on a healthier lifestyle to building relationships that increase connection with your loved ones to learning how to be downright better person, your life will be changed one way or another. The honesty, vulnerability and love you can feel in these conversations not only connects you with the guests and the hosts, but changes the way you view your own life. To miss out on the social and personal lessons learned in this discussion would be detrimental to your growth as a human and further de uh, depreciate the values of society. Wow. Wow, Brian, <laughs> that was very well thought that out. Intense. And intense. And thank you. really, really touching. Really, really touching. So yeah. thank you for that. Um, and um, all right, so guys, just a reminder, we do answer questions. So if you'd like to submit a question, you can write to connect at impacttheory.com. That's connect at impacttheory.com. <coughs> and um, if you would like to stay anonymous, by all means, just state that and we will happily um, not say your name. And then one more piece of news before we get down to it. Some super exciting news is we're going back to YouTube. So for Valentine's Day, we want to launch the video portion of this again. So we are going back onto YouTube February 13th. It's going to be our launch day. So if you guys want to see us on video, we have some really cool, fun things that we're going to be doing with the show. We're also going to be having other couples on, other guests that we know that are either friends of ours or in the relationship space. We'll be having some experts on is the plan for the future. So we're revving up relationship theory. It. We're going to crush this. Yeah, buddy. All right. Now, you ready for the question? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. This question is from Mark Shoemaker. Schumacher. I own a gym, run a couple of events, and have my hand in a couple of other things. I'm extremely busy, and though it has taken time, my girlfriend has gotten used to it and is fully supportive. About four months ago, there was another gym for sale in town, and after a lot of talking, she started to go through the steps of purchasing it. I, beyond uh, I am beyond exciting for excited for her. She's going to rock it and I have no problem with her running a gym while I run mine. They are far enough apart that we won't bother each other. My question has two parts. One is, 
what can we do to make sure our relationship stays strong? Also, she is very hard on herself and constantly making comments like, why would anyone listen to me? Or she doesn't belong in the business of, or in the business world. That is silly, but she won't listen to my reassurances. How can I help her be more confident? She's going to be incredible. She's going to be incredibly busy as I am. We know we can make it work, but advice would be gratefully appreciated. So this is one of those areas where she just she has to accept that it's not an effective strategy to say things like, why would anybody listen to me and all that? And it's a way to take pressure off of herself. It's a way to seek reassurance. Like, I get why she's doing it. And there's some comfort in reminding yourself that you're not that special and, you know, to express your anxieties, but you're reinforcing that. And so you're solidifying that story in saying, why would anybody listen to me? Even though it gives you this momentary release valve of like, I'm sharing my insecurities and this person is going to reassure me. And even though he feels like, you know, the reassurance is never enough in those moments, it's like, it's like saying you can never eat enough ice cream, right? And anyone serving you eat it, but then you have that same craving again because Mm. it has a dopaminergic effect on you. And every time you have ice cream, it has the same effect. So every time she releases this anxiety on him and he tells her that she is somebody powerful that should be listened to, it feels good. The, both the getting it off her chest and the receiving of the, <clears throat> the encouragement. So, but it, it will never fill her up. Mm-hmm. So to do that, she's going to have to do different work. Part of it, just like ultra-functionally, is stop repeating something to yourself that doesn't empower you. So saying, what do I know about business? Why would anybody listen to me? That's disempowering. And you just have to have the rule in your life that you don't repeat things that are disempowering ever under any circumstance, no matter how true you may think it is, you have to have that rule in your life. And this is one place where I think a lot of people fall down. They just have rules to protect themselves. And you have to remember you're something like five times more likely to believe something negative and then just that loop that you can get in of wanting that soothing behavior of I confess an insecurity, you tell me no, I'm really great, and that loop feels good. Mm. And people have to break out of that. Yeah, I remember um, looking to you for validation. Um, You know, oh, you know, what do you think of this outfit? Want you to compliment my looks. Um, Show you something that I've achieved so that you can kind of say, yeah, well done. Like, and then if I didn't get that, or I started to notice that I was seeking it, and I thought this can actually be very dangerous because if I don't get it, if you're busy, if you're distracted, like I'm now putting myself in a position where I'm relying on you to give me that confidence. And especially if they're starting business uh, businesses and it's separate businesses, he's not going to be there for her in moments at work where shit hits the fan because it will hit the fan. And there are going to be moments where she feels like she's failed and he's too busy. He's running his own business. And as much as he wants to be there, sometimes it's going to be difficult. And this was one thing that me and you had to kind of work through is at the height of my sickness, You were probably, except for impact theory, because you've never been busy since we've started this company. But I think you were the busiest you'd ever been at Quest in regards to the pressure. I mean, when you're a company that size and you're dealing with 1,400 employees, it becomes a whole different ballgame. And when I was sick, it was like I would turn to you for emotional support, for validation, for um, confidence, because I didn't feel good about myself. And over time, I started to realize how dangerous that was and that I had to break that habit. Because look, it felt good, right? I wanted that from you when you gave me attention and sweetness and it felt great. 
But if I, like, I, A, want to stand on my own two feet, um, and B, realize it was very dangerous to put that type of um, power in your hands, and it's not fair on you having that responsibility. It's just not fair for me to ask that of you. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, um, it can be... It's actually very sweet that he wants to know how he can help her and how he can get through it and that he's identified that this is a problem. I'm actually curious to know if she recognises that's a problem. Mm. Like, does she realise that she does it? Does she realise that it holds her back? Or is it like he has to bring break that news to her because that's a whole different thing. Right. In fact, what would you do? <clears throat> how would I break the news to her? Yeah, like let's say she doesn't realise it's a problem. Um, well, I mean, it starts with talking about well oftentimes this question is answered and i think the real answer is let the person listen to this episode yeah. um because it gives like a dispassionate third-party answer and it does it in a way where you're hearing it firsthand you're not trying to like i think they said something like this like you're just letting them hear it um and you know like this woman surely when she watches this knows we're we're not invested one way or the other we're, it's not like we're on his team or her Why? team like just the answer mm. is what the answer is and so a lot of times when I'm giving an answer, I think, okay, I want to say this in a way where they could just hit play <laughs> okay. and play the video for them and be like, okay, you know, this is, this is it. Um, but ultimately, yeah, what he needs to get across is everybody needs certain rules in their life. One of the rules that I highly recommend is to only do and believe things that empower you. Um, I don't think people are good at identifying what is true. And so people need to focus far more on what is empowering. What would an empowering interpretation, and maybe that's a better way of saying it, like you can interpret an event in a thousand different ways, and choosing to interpret it in a way and then repeat it, which has the neurological knock-on effect of hardwiring that belief and making it easier for you to think through actual physical rewiring in your brain, um, you just can't allow yourself to believe it, one, and then two, you can't allow yourself to repeat it. And so just the, and it comes down to sort of a cognitive behavioral therapy approach. And whenever my advice can get that rudimentary, mm. I love it. Because mm -hmm. I know that if you go through the simple action, even if you don't believe in it, if you go through the action, it will disrupt those patterns and it will create a new way of thinking and feeling. So if she were to, very simply, or to answer your question directly, if he were to get her to see, however he has to, that those two things are true, it, it isn't effective to believe or repeat anything that's disempowering. And if you're going to start a business as an entrepreneur, you need to be thinking about what's effective. And I think you could get just about anybody to agree to those three things. Mm -hmm. Then it becomes, are they open to what they will perceive as criticism when you call them on it and say, you're repeating that again, remember that doesn't make sense. Because that, like calling somebody on it, is a challenge to their self-esteem, it, it hurts, and if they're not emotionally invested in getting better, if they don't have a growth mindset, if they don't really believe in that, if they don't desperately, for their own reasons, want to transcend that loop, that they're focused on results, then if they're not in that results-oriented mindset, you're never gonna be able to help them. But if he could get her to buy into those four mm. things, the fourth being specifically a growth mindset, then it's like, the rest will take care of itself. Yeah. It's great advice. Um, and then one thing I just want to add from the female perspective, she says she doesn't belong in the, she doesn't feel like she belongs in the business world. Um, I hope it helps if she listens to this that I had, I didn't either. 
Like, and most women that I have interviewed on my show, Women of Impact, or friends of mine that are in the business world, every single person says they had imposter syndrome. So let her know she is not alone. And you can look at the most incredible, incredibly successful, successful women in the world, excuse me, and see that they too have been there. Yeah, and I think to your point, and I'll, I'll even push it a little bit farther and say she probably doesn't belong in the business world yet. Right. And what people have to get really fucking comfortable with is nobody does at the beginning. Nobody. Right. Not Bill Gates, not Steve Jobs, not Warren Buffett. Everybody's a buffoon when they start. And it's just a question of will you allow yourself to be in a position to embarrass yourself long enough to learn. And... That's it. You know, starting your business is the equivalent of going up to the chalkboard in front of your math class if you're me. And it's like, you don't know what you're doing, but you know if you chalkboard. go to the chalkboard. Oh, you dated yourself, Do kids babe. not go to the chalkboard No, anymore? there's no chalk. Wow, is it all dry Sharpie, erase? yeah. Sharpies. Sharpies. Who's dating ourselves now? <laughs> um, so, yes, in my old school way of growing <laughs> up, going to the chalkboard was always... It was a high-risk scenario because it would be very apparent that I didn't know what I was doing. But if I forced myself to volunteer to go up to the whiteboard, I knew by the time I sat back down, I would actually understand it because they would force me to do it. There was nowhere to hide. There was no one to cheat off. It was just like I had to do it. And I've actually thought about that a lot in my life. Like all this stuff is scary and overwhelming in the beginning, but it's like if you just let go of the overwhelm and know if I get up to the board or I do this thing, break it down into small individual pieces, stop looking at the whole thing and just say, okay, this task in front of me, mm. what do I need to learn to be able to complete it? And that's it. In fact, the gym's a perfect example. If they're opening a gym, it's exactly the same thing. People are petrified to go in the gym. I don't belong here. I don't know what the weights do. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm gonna look like a buffoon. Um, and then eventually, once you do it once, twice you get used to it you practice you change your diet you learn you mess up on your diet you get back on your diet again you work out hard and you push yourself like everything that she is fearing she's already done assuming she works out right. I mean, she started the gym i'm assuming so it's so literally equate business to how she handled approaching the gym in the first place and maybe that will help as well Good. cool All right next question this is from anonymous greetings tom and lisa from australia I'm in a loving long-term relationship with an awesome guy. I have some serious issues in regards to trust stemming from being cheated on numerous times before. My parents divorcing due to cheating and a previous partner's uh, mistrust leading me to believe that I should also mistrust. In the last year, I've done a lot of change to this. I have been to therapy and I try to practice CBT now. I listen to all the podcasts and really try to increase my self-esteem and practice self-compassion. However, sometimes I really just cannot seem to break my mind out of anxiety and panic. I get, uh, I get when I believe my partner might find someone more attractive than me. My rational mind knows he can and will. However, my irrational mind simply cannot deal and goes into meltdown. I get into a cycle of thoughts that I am not good enough. He will find anyone and everyone else more attractive and I just can't believe that that's not true. My thoughts are so real sometimes that I think he must be lying. It is so hard to get out of that state of mind. I've done so much work to learn to trust again. Do you have any advice and practical ways as to how I can overcome these feelings? I want to be an awesome, I want to be an awesome, fun, loving, trusting partner and know the consequences if I don't continue to put the effort in. Yeah, this is really interesting to me because here you have somebody that 
seems to be doing the right things, and, and I will say seems, but for this answer, I'm going to assume that they really are. And now I will say there is only one answer. If you're doing the right things and you haven't gotten the result that you want, you've got to keep going. And she just hasn't gotten the result. She hasn't seen it through yet. Like there's more CBT to be done. There's more people to talk to, to figure out her own particular thing. There's more time to be alone. That may be a huge thing for her. If she's going from relationship to relationship to relationship and she's constantly in, because if she's really been cheated on, she's not yet good at identifying who is trust, excuse me, who's trustworthy. And so if you get in relationship after relationship where the person really is cheating, then you're really going to have reason to look for that because you tend to select people and or create an environment that fosters that. So until you get out of that cycle, you may really have reason to be worried. Like they say, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. Like she may be paranoid for good reason. There are people in this world who cheat. And if for whatever reason you find yourself attracted to them and you're drawn to that personality type and you're almost certainly trying to resolve something from your childhood, and there's a setup, and look, it means something that she grew up in a, in a house where infidelity was an issue. So there were lessons learned there, behavior patterns, um, a desire to please. There's something going on in all of that that is putting her back in this loop. So until she figures that out and is able to break out of it, I actually don't think the like inability to trust and the panic and all that is actually the problem. I think that's the symptom of either recognizing that she's constantly going after the wrong type of person or having just a fundamental blind spot still to not knowing what signs are the like giveaway signs and then not having built a strategy to um, create the space for somebody to earn trust but needing them to earn the trust. So mm. I think that if people put up too many walls that they're the other person's not incentivized to be trusting. You're never going to, or I should say trustworthy, you're never going to give them the space to come close. So you're going to rebuff them at every chance. You're snatching their phone away and digging through it. And it just creates this spy versus spy vibe in the relationship. But at the same time, pretending as if trust doesn't need to be earned mm. can also be very problematic. So part of the reason that I'm able to trust people is I in my life, while definitely not perfect, I'm a relatively good judge of character. And that's proven itself out over decades. And it's like, nah, I can sort of feel something coming. I welcome people in. I extend myself emotionally. I display a certain level of real vulnerability. But I also guard myself enough in the beginning to like give this person time to really reveal who they are. And then it's like, oh, I can see like this really is somebody that I can trust. And then you you know, you, you open up more and more. But it's, So let's say this is someone that has multiple times shown that he can, she can trust him. So he's already proved, because I actually hear totally what you're saying right. about m proving it, but let's say she's already there and she still has this issue. So he really is acting in every way, shape, or form trustworthy. In fact, let's go a step further. Yeah. He really is trustworthy and she just can't let it go. Correct. Yeah. Let's assume. The great news is then it is 100% entirely on her. And so... Doing the right things does not guarantee a result. Like you've got to keep going. You may have to try multiple different things. You, you may have to stack things. Like this is where stuff really starts to get complicated, but your anxiety could be multi-source. So it may not just be that you have anxiety from this, but you tie anxiety to that. It's kind of like my reaction to cold. Cold makes me feel anxious, even though 
there's nothing to be anxious about with the cold, but because the physiological response of feeling slightly shivery and all that, it's tied. So it just like goes hand in hand for me. So some of this, and, and look, this is but an example. Sure. This is not me saying this is her problem. One example of a thousand things that could be exacerbating her anxiety is what's her diet like? Where's her exercise at? What's her self-esteem? Like there's a lot of things that could be triggering. Yeah, I was pointing at you when you said self-esteem because that's exactly where I was thinking. Part of me, you know, with me and you to get like, I've never once checked your phone. But there were moments, especially earlier on, where I did feel twinges of jealousy. Really? Yeah, but like not dramatic, not like, oh my God, he's going to leave me. But I did, like, did, oh, she's prettier than me. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm, she's trying to crack on. You know, like at a young age, again, I'll repeat, but 100% I felt that. And um, it comes down to how you feel about yourself. And so that's actually one big thing that I wanna wanted to say is in this question a lot of it is she's doing the right things in regards to working with her partner to trust but has she also addressed the self-esteem how she feels about herself because if she has low self-esteem there is i can completely see how everything's going to be a trigger for her a prettier woman comes by done trigger porn done trigger right like anything that she comes across that puts her own um, confidence on the line or makes that rocky it's 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 going to be problematic so take a really hard look at how you feel about yourself and if there are insecurities identify where they come from going back to even what you said from childhood right like you've got to put in the work to figure out where it all stems from word that is very good advice um, and then one tip idea that I had as you were talking was assuming that she can trust him, uh, assuming he's proven multiple times, one thing we did is the letter, but we wrote it based on anger and arguments, but maybe it could be about jealousy. So she writes a letter to herself when she's not feeling jealous in a moment of total security when she's with him, she writes the letter. And maybe she gives it to him and says, when I next feel insecure or I start to get a twinge, hand me this letter. And some people, it may not work for us, you may hate the idea, but for me and you, when it came to like getting annoyed with each other and arguing over dumb shit, that letter, it got you wrote one to yourself, it, you read it once and that was it. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure that'll work in this situation. Really? Yeah, Why? because that letter was all about knowing that there are psychological, or excuse me, physiological hooks that will, with whether you want them to or not, they will change your brain chemistry. So what I was trying to do, my personal struggle was, I don't get mad often, but when I get mad, I stay mad. And so I needed to be able to change my brain chemistry. And I knew that if I laughed out loud, that my brain chemistry would change. So the letter was about two things. It was one, reminding myself that you do love me and I really do believe that. And that you're not, if you upset me, because when I would get upset, it was over something legitimate. You really had done something that I had a right to be upset about, but then it just didn't end up making any difference. Like I would still waste this precious little time that we had together. So I thought, all right, I need to remind myself, one, whatever she did, even if it was totally legitimate in terms of pissing me off, she didn't mean to piss you off. You know that. So that's powerful. And then two is that if I laughed out loud, my brain chemistry would change. New neurochemicals would flood my brain. And so those two things, it was, there was no way. If I just did what the letter said, purely mechanically, it would change my neurochemistry. 
And so I don't see an easy way when it's insecurity, mm. I don't see an easy way around that. So one thing that may serve mm. her that comes a little closer to sort of being mechanical is, and this is just gonna be a habit loop trigger to do the work, which is exactly what she has to do, but to remind yourself when you're being insecure, like every time I'm insecure, if it's around something with you, I remind myself insecurity is not sexy. Why? Yeah. And so the reality is like, sure, like you maybe have a real reason to feel that way. And, but it's just not hot. And if you want to be attractive to the other person, which I do, I don't think you have a moral obligation to be attracted to me. Mm. I think I have to do things to make myself attractive to you. And I'll say that it's far more important that I do things, the mental game to make myself more attractive to you than to just do the physical. Because if I you know, were shredded year round, but an emotional mess, I think that's less attractive oh, than building my confidence, but Yay. not being as in good shape. So I, I really am talking about the mental stuff here. So if she knows that it is not sexy to be in this death spiral of mistrusting him, then it's like, you need to do the work. Because again, in this scenario, we're playing the scenario where she actually does trust him. She just cannot get herself out of this psychological loop. Right. And so that's the whole thing with CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, the pattern interrupt. You've got to fucking catch that yeah. pattern and interrupt it. Yeah, I mean, and to be honest, as you were talking, I was like, yeah, maybe. I was like, what would I do? Like, I would probably write a letter to myself, but maybe, because I understand what you're saying about the sexiness, and I've actually done that before, like when I was sick, and I just like, I was like, well, yes, I'm in pain, what dif like, it makes no difference me saying it out loud. I'm in pain either way. And now I'm just a whiny cow. Like, I feel like a whiny cow. And so, um, yeah, it's just like, okay, when it's bad, he's going to be there for me emotionally. But I don't want him to just see me as a sick person. But if I all I ever do is talk about me being sick, then of course you're going to see right. me like that. So even with a letter, like, I would maybe turn it around and tell myself empowering stories about myself and then read Weird back. Up. Right, like remember when That's you did rad. this. Remember how you felt when you achieved that. Remember, right, like and kind of just remind me with maybe certain things that are emotional to me, so that it pulls me out. Right. Or another thing is maybe you're like, okay, this is a song that puts me in a really good mood, that makes that breaks me out of the pattern, like you were talking about the cognitive pattern. Um, put, read uh, read this letter to myself and put on this song. And when I do it, I have to wiggle my hips. Right, going back to you laugh out loud, right. right? It's certain things that puts you in a different headspace. And for me, dancing is so, makes me confident so much, even when I'm dancing by myself in the gym, like it really does work. So like maybe identifying those little things. Yeah, and God, I don't know how much deeper we want to go on this because this could become the never ending answer, but some of this stuff is, is really like, um, who are you as a person? And knowing that your significant other, like really being involved with them emotionally enough to know who they are, what type of person they are, what code do they live by, like having the two of them write down the code that they live by as it relates to the relationship. Like I remember you and I in the beginning of the relationship, it's funny, I never think about this now, but back then this, in fact, if I remember right, and tell me if, if I'm misremembering, but in the beginning I wasn't so freakish about saying divorce. 
Like now, even yeah. then, I had to. Oh, I like fucking two days hesitated. ago, I made a joke, and you're like, "Did you just make a, <laughs> a, a joke about the D word?" Yeah. And it was so fucking funny. I was it cracking was, up. It was absolutely hysterical. <laughs> but because I've so ingrained that. Right, in my life. right, right. But anyway, in the beginning, I didn't have that. What I had was, we may not be together forever, but I will never cheat on you. So. I may break up with you so I can go fuck somebody else, but I'm never going to go sleep with somebody and then come and be like, oh, I'm super sorry. Like, that was my, like, a core thing in my identity. It wasn't something that you guilted me into saying. And this is part of it. Like, people have to get to the point where they know who they are. Like, they know who they are, man. And they want to be that person, come hell or high water, no matter who's around, like, I'm going to be this fucking person. I'm going to live up to this. And it was like in the beginning of our relationship, I couldn't promise that we were never going to get divorced. But I could promise that I would never sleep with somebody and then be like, yo, my bad. Right, Because that's in your control. It's in my control a thousand percent. But I knew that I would never stay in an unhappy marriage. And right. that's why I wouldn't allow myself right. to say. But now, like, I know, even though I wouldn't stay in an unhappy marriage, but I know how to make sure that that relationship is thriving. And I've spent now almost two decades proving to myself that A, I have an amazing partner who is equally good at keeping the relationship thriving, and B, I'm more committed now than ever to making sure that this is thriving. So it's like that, like, it feels very easy for me to say I'm never getting divorced. And like, that's why I keep that word out of my fucking mouth. And like, mm -hmm. we just focus on how do you make it thrive and all of that. But Start with something that you know under no circumstances to be the person you believe yourself to be. I won't violate this. And say that to each other. Write it down. Just don't make, um, oh God, Netflix has a name for this. Don't make aspirational like um, rules. Mm. Make rules you know about yourself. I can guarantee this. That's nice. And, and, the, and the reason I liken that to Netflix is to wrap that up. Is they say people, everyone says they want to watch Fellini, but people actually watch like dumb slapstick comedy. Yeah. And so don't like write down your aspirational. Right. Like, I, That's good. I will never like um, flirt with somebody. Maybe you will. May and maybe that's just a hard reality that you need to face in a relationship. But I will never touch. I'll never have an emotional relationship, whatever. Okay, well, at least we know where we're at. Mm -hmm. And then, God, it's so funny. As I say this, I see how people hear a podcast and they're like, I got this. Because you stay really high level, really like simple, one, two, three, four. But what I'm saying now is the fucking reality. You may be with somebody who they're striving, they want to be better. But the reality is all they can promise right now today is that they they mm. won't cheat. They're going to fucking flirt. They just can't help themselves. They ah, It makes them feel good about themselves. It's Maybe they're a salesperson. Salespeople are fucking often really flirty because they know like how to be charming and all that, mm -hmm. but charming often spills over. And so, But now, how does that other person deal with the fact that they're flirty? Well, if you're insecure, you're freaking out about the fact that they're flirty. But that person's value system may allow flirty. This is how this like, yeah. like mushrooms into madness. But if you know who you are, you fucking own it, like when we first got together and I said, I'm always going to find other people attractive. That is the truth of who I am. Don't waste your time expecting me not to. But another truth of who I am, when I'm with somebody, I'm with them. I don't cheat. I don't stray. I'm not going to have an emotional relationship. I'm not going to have a physical relationship. Like it is you and me. I will tell you if this is going astray. But to ask me to not be a human is crazy. Mm -hmm. And so let's not set ourselves up for something fake. So, but that's fucking big. And I know that I just opened an unimaginable rat's nest of truth, but that is all true. 
God, that was so good. That was so good, I didn't want to breathe. <clears throat> um, all right, next question. This is from Daniel Breeze. Love, Daniel. Daniel. Breeze. The last episode really resonated with me. You said that if there is no authentic self to bring forward yet, then you aren't done building yourself. I felt like this a month ago, and we decided to separate so I can figure things out. Wow. Looking back, I was feeling like this for a long time before saying it, and it led to a lot of resentment. How do you approach these difficult talks, knowing that it could make or break things? How do you get the other person to understand and mitigate the risk of significantly harming their self-esteem? Oh God, I love this question. Yeah. Your face says that you're no, tense about it. No, 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 so I love it. here's my thing. I was like, wow, that was the deep. Ipecac, Ipecac. Like, Ipecac makes you vomit. But then whatever you swallowed that wasn't good for you, that shit is coming Explain up. people, because maybe that's an American thing. I had no idea what the hell so that was. So Ipecac is, is a tablet, a liquid. I don't know what forms it comes in, but it's something that you drink, swallow, whatever, and it will make you vomit. You had it like as a kid when you were sick. Well, that's different. And I often end up conflating these two stories. My mom used to make me drink soda water okay. because my mom said soda water, literally baking soda in water. Mm -hmm. It is horrific. And she said it will either settle your stomach or make you vomit. But I think the truth of the matter is it, always it made just you made you vomit. vomit yeah. And she just told me a story. Okay. So it was basically like Ipecac. Ipecac. Okay, cool. So it's like you've got an upset stomach. The thing that's going to settle your stomach is getting rid of whatever's in your stomach. So you need to barf. Those conversations, they're not fun. But oh my God, I'm going into them like this is going to solve the problem. Because what ends up happening is you've got this clash. You've got a relationship that's built on something that isn't quite real. And at first, it's kind of cool because it gets you with somebody that's exciting and you're getting laid and you're like, this is rad. And yeah, I had to be a little bit on, on my best behavior. <laughs> but really, you mean not yourself. You're not actually being yourself. You're showing the best side yeah. of you. You're showing a, a side. side of you. You're not showing the whole yeah. shebang. And so at first it's not a big deal. There's so much excitement at the beginning of a relationship that Jesus, the last thing you're worried about is that you have other dimensions to yourself. Like you are in a brain scan, you look exactly the same as somebody doing cocaine. That's love. That's why people often are, they're serially in the beginning of a relationship with somebody and then when that wears off, they break up because they're addicted to that cocaine to use dopaminergic twice in one podcast. The funny is I so didn't want to stop you, but I was like, what the hell? <laughs> so it's a dopaminergic response. I kind of found it a little response. sexy, if I've got to be honest. Nice. <laughs> now people know why I use big words. Um, so you're having this response. It's rad. You feel the way you feel on drugs, and you, you just want to keep having that. So you overlook the fact that, like, yeah, I'm kind of like, I'll use a harsh word. It's a bit of a sham. But then it really starts to feel like a bit of a sham. And you start to feel trapped in the, like I wasn't really honest with her about how much I like video games or yeah, I never told her that I do, our sex drive doesn't quite match up so I do a little porn to supplement. It's like all these things you never really brought up before mm -hmm. and it's a little awkward to bring it up because you're like six months in. And, but now you start to feel like, why the fuck do I have to lie about this? I should be able to do this. And you're talking to your friends. I should be able to tell her. Like, she shouldn't have a problem with this. Or she's thinking, you know, I, I can't believe, like, he would have a problem with that. He's so insecure about this. Like, I should just be able to be me. Like, I want to be ambitious. I don't want kids. I should want whatever, right? Yeah. There's, like, a thousand ways where people maybe didn't quite reveal the depths to which something is important or that they do something or whatever. Or, for instance, I, things that I love, I could not be with somebody if they weren't into. Movies, 
like rad TV shows? Christmas. Secret, you and I wear onesies on the weekend. Yeah. We like to matchy match. I was going to ask if we can take a photo actually because it's so cute. Sure, I'm not embarrassed <laughs> by that. But like we like to matchy match. Yeah. So there's, there's this thing. I like to be like in mm. sync with you in a way. It just gives me something. And so if I were with somebody that didn't have that side, that thought like to sum it up, I'm very sentimental. And if I couldn't share that with you, if you didn't ooh and ah over like the family photo stream, if you didn't ooh and ah over, you know, Christmas time, if you didn't like get lit on fire by a movie and want to talk about it, like I would feel really lonely. Or even things like your business that you're, you know, passionate about. If you were to talk to me about it and I was like, uh huh, uh huh. Ambition. If you didn't find ambition attractive. So, all of those things are things that over time you realize, like, I'm not being fully myself. So now back to Ipecac. I'm thinking this conversation either ends a relationship that no longer feels good or we're now in real fucking terms, homie. And so, one, in my life, as evidenced by my marriage, I was so paranoid. Like, you know, from the time I was a little kid... I've had a recurring nightmare about being in a loveless marriage. Obviously, I was picking something up about my parents' marriage because I was so confused, I could not understand why I was having this recurring nightmare. But that was my recurring nightmare, which even I thought was weird. So I was on high fucking alert about getting into a relationship where I would end up living my nightmare. So I was like, I came in, like slid into the first date, like, yo, I'm going to find other people attractive. I'm really into this. You better be into Christmas, homie. I'm super into my family. Like all these things just to be like laying it out on the table. Like this is who the fuck I am. And because I have been very cognizant to figure out who I want to be, and to live in accordance with that. And even though I have the same natural in- instincts everybody else has to want to be liked, to let go of that, to not allow myself to steer by that, mm. to find what my true north is, and to respond to things, to trust, no, to seek my visceral reaction, to listen to it, and to then steer by it. Mm. So, visceral reaction for those that don't know what I mean by that. I have, and I think most of us have, very strong non-logical reactions to things. We just feel some shit, and we feel it real hard, and it comes on real fast, also known as thin slicing. You get a vibe. You feel something for somebody. So I've learned to really listen to that and to steer by that. So to wrap up this whole fucking Ipecac thing, because I've really (laughs) drugged this out, Having that conversation, you're either going to break the relationship up or you're finally going to have this beautiful, wonderful, Mm. real, we're really meeting on terms relationship where now you're both being honest. And if you create the space for them and really want them to tell you the truth and to be honest and like find a way, like how can we make this work? And usually if there was that real spark in the beginning and you really have enough of this like animal magnetism, you're attracted, you share things like you're hyped on this person. Then the things where you don't agree and it's a real collision of values, you can navigate through those. But if you find that like, God, at a fundamental level, this person is never going to be my best friend. Like, your, what makes our marriage rad is above everything else. You are my best friend. And, and I get to like sleep with you. (laughs) 
costume. I'm like, what? what I was going to say that in a much more horrifying way, which is actually my real personality. Shame on me. I'm still holding back slightly. We need to open you up, Billy. So um, that mm. is what makes this relationship work mm. is there's no one I'd rather play video games with. There's no one I'd rather see a movie with. There's nobody like, oh, God, this is so heartbreaking. I almost can't even say it. There's no one that I know. Brace yourself. There's no one that I could have bared to go through the death of our first son, which of course is how we see it. It was a dog, but like that shit, I didn't see it coming. I couldn't have let myself be like that with anybody else. Like I've never ever in my entire life, not around anyone else, even in my family, have I felt so um, able to just be like, I'm broken right now. I'm so broken. I can't help you fix yourself. I, and I'm just going to be broken. And the fact that we could be broken together and like nobody was trying to lean on anybody, it was just like, yeah, we're like totally fucking broken. And in this moment, like it's very comforting to have this person for whom I have such a depth of connection and have like cultivated all of that trust and everything. It's like, yeah, that shit is real. And when you're able to be that with somebody it's it is an unbelievable thing and it can only happen if you drink your ipecac (laughs) i didn't expect to get all yeah i know and i almost like couldn't look at you because i was Mm. like i'm not gonna be able to finish this thought like that really hit me Mm. yeah it's it's i i don't obviously look back and remember try to remember that because I try to remember our first baby boy is like alive and well, and um, but I didn't expect you to say that. So when you said it, it caught me off guard. Mm. And then it is, it was one of those moments that I think. In fact, I look back and there's two really major moments. It was that, and then when Wookie went missing, yeah. and when you can really get to the like the worst situation that you've ever been in emotionally, and you're doing that like super ugly cry. And the other person is just there willing to hug you and cry with you. Like, that's freaking special. It's interesting, the Wookiee thing, to just really derail. It, that was, we had two different moments. We did not experience that the same. Mm. When the Z died, we experienced that that's the same. That's true, that's interesting. But when Wookiee died, I turned into Wookie Liam Neeson. Wow, when Wookiee went missing... <laughs> Uh, I turned into Liam Neeson from yeah, fucking Taken. And, and I turned into like the biggest pathetic ball of mush, which is not my personality. I'm like the go-getter, but I was like, I, can't, I don't want to get out of bed. Yeah, that I, was so It was so weird. I did not expect that part. Now we're really derailing. But actually, it, it taught us a lot, I think, about each other. Mm. And in fact, when the house almost burnt down and we had to collect our stuff, that was a big learning experience for us. Um, because you wanted to leave the house in two cars, and I was like, you're not leaving me by myself in my car. <laughs> That's so funny. Like, um, yeah. but so I we go- could take more items, for the record. <laughs> um, that's a story for another time. Yes. But I want to um, just wrap this up, because that was really good um, feedback for Daniel Breeze, and um, in his last part of his question, where he says, how do you get the other person to understand and mitigate the risk of significantly harming their self-esteem? With me and you, it's like, you always have to say the truth. If you think it, you have to say it. Now, that doesn't mean that you say it in a cruel way, but you have to say it. The second I feel like I'm holding anything back from you, from you, 
anything, no matter how small or pathetic it is, I don't feel like we're connected. So I, we've established that in our relationship from the get-go. And so I think if people can do that, like, all right, do we agree that from here on out, no matter what, if we think something, we need to discuss it with the other person, but it needs to be with compassion, with care, with understanding, with no judgment. But do we agree that we're going to create a space where we can be truthful with each other, even if it may hurt the other person? Yes. Okay. Do you both actually buy into that? Yes. Okay. Now it kind of opens you up to like hear criticism, if I'm going to be honest. Um, and then one thing we always do is like, if I've got an issue I need to address with you, like I of course will approach it in a way that I think won't hurt you or, you know, I'm not trying to hurt you, but I will say like, I feel this way it feels when you do this it feels like this to me you may not mean to i know that you care right so making sure that you're using language that allows them to keep their barriers down but you can still say the truth now if you've been careful and you said the truth and you still hurt them and it may have damaged their self-esteem then i hate to say it but that's going to be something that is going to be part, it has to be part of it rather do that than not say it in the first place so word up. So. Oh, all right. All right. That's Jeez. sadly all yeah. we've got time for. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank Rem you for the questions, which are always appreciated. The rawness, the vulnerability, it's amazing. And I think it really serves this community. So we're super, super grateful. Yeah, you're right. The questions are getting kind of yeah. quite deep and meaningful. No, and I dig them way, yeah. way, way, way much. Um, yeah, so as Lisa mentioned at the top of the show, we are trying to get into the top 100. That's goal number one. After we get that, then we'll, we'll focus then on we'll the, go top to the top spot. spot. Um, and the way that we do that, for better or worse, we need five-star reviews. So go to iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Leave us a five-star review and um, share it if you're getting value out of it that would be amazing yeah and if you are a fan of video format and um, we will be back on youtube next week we've got some fun things coming up for valentine's day we've got some cool questions that you can download online nice. so stay tuned and we will reveal everything nice awesome Guys, thank you so much for joining us. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And by the way, you can follow Lisa at at Lisa Bilyeu. You can follow me at at Tom Bilyeu. And she just did an amazing episode of Women of Impact with Constance Schwartz. Thanks. Check that out. It is amazing. Yeah. I think Constance is. She's a badass woman badass. in the business world. So if you or know you or someone that you know is interested in the real shit behind the scenes of a woman in business in entertainment, that's the episode to watch. Yeah, and, and I will say that it, it's almost irrelevant that she's a woman. Like she's she's amazing she's she is but i'm saying the thing she even says in the interview that she had to combat being oh, a yeah. woman is incredible and how talk about self-esteem like this woman puts her ego in check because she's like i just have the goal and do i get to the mm. goal or not yes or no and that's yeah. what i focus on she's dope freaking awesome all right check it out all right guys thank you so much for joining us until next time my friends be legendary be legendary take care bye